Well, good morning, LifePoint Church. Who's glad to be in church today? Y'all doing okay? All right. Well, whether you're in the room or you're joining us online, we're so thankful that you're here or you're joining us at Austin P, which they won their game yesterday, by the way. It's pretty amazing. We just want to say we're so glad that you're here. My name is Stephanie Burnett, and my husband and I have the honor to serve here as pastors of the church, along with our whole staff and our whole team. And uh, today I'm honored to share the message with you, Mike, as he's preaching at a friend's church. So y'all get me today. So here we go. Now, um, before we go any further, I do want to just take a moment, and I want to pray together as a church. As many of you know, this week we lost five heroes and our military community. And last week we honored our veterans and we, and we prayed over our military families and we wanna to continue to do that. Um, the Bible says to mourn with those who mourn and we just wanna know, we wanna tell those families we are mourning with you and we are gonna support you and care for you as a church. So um, the, the Bible actually has a lot to say about lament and grief. Um, sometimes we focus on only the celebration but if you read your Psalms, you can see that the writer of these Psalms oftentimes have a lot of pain that they're going through. So here's my encouragement. Don't turn away from the Lord. Bring that grief, bring that pain to the Lord. In Psalm 6:3, the Bible says, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? I mean, that's a very honest prayer. And when you feel like the pain is insurmountable, I want you to know we see David here crying out for rescue for healing. And in Psalm 10:17, the Bible says, "You Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted, but you encourage them and you listen to their cry." So these verses teach us that we can always come to God and that he always hears us and he welcomes us. So don't go through pain and suffering on your own. The spirit of God is present with us. Amen. So let's pray together for these families. Lord, we just come to you in this moment today. God, lifting up these families to you that are going through such a difficult time, Lord. We are the church. We're gonna lift up our brothers and sisters to you. God, this amazing military community, we are so grateful for what they do and how they serve. And so right now, would your unexplainable peace and your comfort go before them? May we be the hands and feet of Jesus that would show them your love and kindness in these moments. Lord, we do ask that you would bless the remainder of this service as we dive into your word May it speak to our hearts. God, we pray all of this in your precious name, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. Thank you, church. These are the times where we lean in as a church and we continue to trust the Lord even when it's hard. So as always, we do wanna say thank you for being a generous church and faithful in your tithes and offerings. And even what I was just talking about, because of your generosity, we get to bless families like that that are going through a very difficult season. But we do trust the Lord with our tithes and offerings, which is 10% of our income. We bring that to the Lord through our local church. And many of you have been faithful tithers for a very long time. And others of you who are newer to the Lord, um, you're learning what it means to be a percentage giver. And I like to say giving is like a muscle. The more we use it, the easier it becomes. And so some of y'all have been tithing so long, you don't even know what it's like not to tithe because you've trusted God with your finances all of these years. <laughs> So you can absolutely trust God with tithing. So if you never have, I do wanna encourage you, let today be your first day. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says, you will be enriched in every way. God wants to enrich us in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So Paul was thanking the Lord 
for the generosity at the church in Corinth. And this is the week of Thanksgiving. We do have a lot to be grateful for and to thank the Lord for. So through your generosity, so many lives are being changed, not just inside these walls, but way beyond the walls of this church. So however you give, whether it's in the mail or um, in front of you, there's envelopes or however you wanna do it, thank you so much for your faithfulness. So today we are in the third week of our Book of Ruth series. There's four chapters. We're doing one chapter per Sunday. And so today is week number three. And the title of my message is Just Ask. Just Ask. Now, I have to warn you up front, chapter three has a very interesting development take place. And I laugh at these things because I feel like I get these unusual passages of scripture to preach. (laughs) So you're gonna have to stay with me today. Can y'all do that for me? Okay. Now, last year when I got to preach, I also had an interesting passage. It was where Paul preached so long that the boy Eutychus fell asleep. You remember this? And he fell out the window and the Bible says that he died which is not good. But Paul went down and healed him and brought him back to life. It's kind of crazy. So speaking of falling asleep while someone's preaching, um, before we get started, can I just, can I tell you guys something before we get started? Would that be okay? Um, So I'm in seminary right now and I'm learning a lot and I'm growing and I love, I love what I'm getting to learn because I want to get better. And I'm taking this preaching class and I had to record myself sharing my sermon the other night from my class. And I had to wait, you know, till all the kids are asleep. You know what I'm talking about. The house is always crazy, at least at our house. And, you know, so it's quiet. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna record this message. And, you know, it's, you're five minutes into your sermon and you don't wanna keep doing this over and over. Like a one take, you know what I'm talking about? Just one take, one and done. So I'm five minutes in and I feel like I'm, you know, I'm doing a good job, at least the, to the best of my ability. And anyhow, I, I thought I was doing good. And then all of a sudden, like, I just, can I show you guys real quick? Can I, can I show you? Okay, all right, yeah, check this out. Or live a disciplined life. After all, it seems like everyone else is indulging whatever they wanna do with no consequences, right? Well, God's word has so much to say about doing the right thing in life. The Bible is full of instruction for how to be a wise person. Sometimes we think that the scripture Y'all might have to turn this is up. only just good just to point bit. us to Jesus. Like, okay, Jesus is my savior. I'm going to believe in him. Like, he's good enough. That's all I need. But God's word is full of other things that we need to learn as Christians so that we can live a full life and honor the Lord and put him first in every area of our lives, even in the day-to-day. So the book of Proverbs is chock full of the practical advice needed for living a life filled with wisdom. In the Old Testament, and for the Israelite people... (laughs) Wisdom was highly prized. Those who are highly respected. Like, what was that? I don't even know what that was. He done fell asleep during my sermon. I choose not to be offended. It's okay. I choose not to be offended. Okay, we do have to get going in this message. But before we get going, I have a question for you. How many of you like to find a good deal? Anybody? Anybody like to find a good deal? Okay, okay. I hope y'all like to find a good deal, right? Um, I used to be a big couponer when we first moved to Clarksville. I had a system, a method. You know what I'm talking about for all the research. <laughs> I even had a couponing small group. It was so much fun. We'd get together. We'd talk about what deals did you find? You know, matching the deals with what's on sale, right? Because really discounts and deals are everywhere, but I just, I had to find them. You have to take the time to figure out where they are. 
And I know some of you have a knack for finding deals. Um, and some of you are so good, the deals just come to you. You know, it's like, you don't even have to try. Y'all got a friend like that where it's like, they're always finding something on sale. I'm like, how do you do that? I need your anointing. I need that. But others of you, I'm just going to say it. Y'all are paying too much for everything. <laughs> you just go in the store. You're like, this is what I want. You didn't even shop. You didn't even look around. Like, what could be on sale, right? So look, my oldest daughter, she's getting ready to go to college ne next year. And let's talk about scholarships for a second. Do you know how many scholarships there are? A ton. There's so many scholarships. Talk about a good deal. Free money is always a good thing. Hello. Did you know that there is a scholarship for being tall? It's true. There is a scholarship for being left-handed. All my lefties in the room? That's my fourth daughter. I hope she gets that scholarship one day. <laughs> this is crazy. There is a scholarship. That, there's a zombie apocalypse scholarship just for writing an essay on the topic of zombies. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> There's an asparagus club scholarship. This is real, you guys. There's a potato scholarship for someone who wants to go into agriculture. That makes sense. Listen, there's all kind of random, weird, crazy scholarships. And there's several more that I didn't mention because I want Lucy to get those. So I'm not gonna tell you guys about those. <laughs> just kidding. No, I'm not. Okay, so... <laughs> There are many other free things. Okay, we're not all going to college. I get that. There are many other free things that are available to us, but we do have to find them. Did you know that you can get free samples? Yes, some of you knew that. You can get free smoke detectors. You can get free stock trades, dog treats, eye care, fitness help. There's free museums, concerts, fishing. The list goes on. Language classes. There's so many free things out there. But here's the kicker. You have to be willing to go find the deals. You have to be willing to apply for the college scholarship. I promise you, you won't get one college scholarship if you don't apply, right? According to the website, SoFi.com, it's estimated, listen, that close to $100 million in scholarships go unclaimed each year. And $2 billion in student grants go unclaimed. That's mind-blowing. <laughs> Typically, this is what the website says, the money is not awarded due to lack of applicants. Listen, there are deals available everywhere, but the point is that you have to get up and go get them. You have to apply for them. You gotta ask for them. How many other things in our lives are available to us, but we just haven't made the effort to go get them? It's like we're a recipient of something, but we have just never claimed it. It's like you knew something was for you, but you just didn't ask for it. So there are plenty of things that God has made available for us, and they're free, I'm not talking about material things. I'm talking about spiritual things like peace, joy, hope, comfort. If you're in pain and turmoil right now, those things are available for you. You just have to ask God. If you're looking for truth, God has provided truth for you so you don't have to be confused. If you're lonely and isolated, you can have a family called the church. And those are free things and they're available for you, but you have to ask. So we're in the book of Ruth and we're in chapter three, and today we're gonna read about a story where a young woman named Ruth was in a situation where she needed something specific, but she had to be bold, and she literally had to ask for it. So to catch you up on the book of Ruth, we were reminded that it opens with a tragedy. So there's a man named Elimelech and his wife, Naomi, and there's a famine in the land of Israel. So they go to Moab, and their two sons end up marrying Moabite women. You guys remember this? The two women are Ruth and Orpah. Well, suddenly and tragically, 
all of the husbands pass away. So now you have three widows, essentially. So Orpah goes back home to her family, but Naomi decidedly stays, excuse me, Ruth decidedly stays with Naomi. And what does she tell her? She says, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. And my God, your God will be my God. So they go back to Israel. And Naomi during this time though had become very bitter, but God is still with them. So Ruth and Naomi go back to Israel during the time of barley harvest where they could glean in the fields because otherwise they did not have a way to provide for themselves as poor widows. So last week in chapter two, we learned that Boaz, who owned the field where Ruth was gleaning, he noticed her. And it was her noble character actually that he noticed. He heard that she had stuck with her mother-in-law through thick and thin and he noticed that and recognized that in her, that she was loyal and that she was faithful. So Boaz shows kindness to her, filling her pantry with barley and also giving her protection. And now we see at the end of Ruth chapter two that Boaz asked Ruth, go ahead and keep gleaning from my fields. And so she did that until the end of barley harvest, which takes us now to the beginning of chapter three. So, so far in the book of Ruth, we have seen that Naomi's and Ruth's physical needs are taken care of with the provision of food. But they do recognize their need for their family line to continue, but that only happens if Ruth were to be married. And that would be through what's called a kinsman redeemer. Everybody say kinsman redeemer. And Leviticus 25 explains to us what that is. And this is a provision, a kinsman redeemer, is where in the case of an Israelite Israelite, uh, man's death with no son left behind, the brother of the deceased man was commanded to take his widow as his wife and redeem the land and provide a son to carry on the, the deceased father's name. So in other words, if the man dies, his widow and children would come under the covering of his closest male relative so that they could be provided for. So basically kinsmen, meaning like kin, you guys have heard next of kin, right? That's, that means a family member, becomes a redeemer who's gonna restore and repair a family. So Naomi was an Israelite woman and she would have known this provision. She would have understood what a kinsman redeemer was. So she starts putting a plan together for Ruth. If you've read the story, you know where we're headed. (laughs) She puts a plan together so that Boaz could possibly notice Ruth a bit more and, and maybe even become their kinsman redeemer. So I like to say here that she is probably playing a bit of a matchmaker. Um, (laughs) And I feel like Naomi in this chapter wants Ruth to step out and be bold. That's the first point, be bold. So let's read. We're gonna start in chapter three, starting in verse one. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he's winnowing barley tonight at the at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. Okay, I told you this was a very interesting passage. All right, so when we, when we read this at first glance, it seems like there's some unsettling connotations happening here. But I want you to go with me today and to, as we read this text, and I want us to think beyond our 21st century Western mindset. 
Now, whenever you read a text, whether it's the Bible, whether it's a book or a social media post, whatever you're reading, you have to know, like, we come to a text with our own personal filters, and we read something, you assume what you think that means based on your own preconceived ideas about life and your life experience. But you have to understand there are some cultural realities happening here that would have um, been important in this ancient Near Eastern context. So when Ruth says in, chapter, in verse one, Naomi said to her mother-in-law, said, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you? What she's talking about there is seek a home for you a place of provision, because with a husband, that's gonna provide her with safety and security. And that would also give her the opportunity to have an heir and continue building their family. So Naomi comes up with this great plan <laughs> that would have made sense in their culture and time. And Naomi tells Ruth to go to the threshing floor where they're gonna be winnowing barley. Now, I've never winnowed barley before, <laughs> but this is where they would separate the stalk from the grain and they would crush it and throw it in the air and the wind would blow the chaff away. And then you're left with the grain. Now, some commentary suggests that this was probably done at night because they needed the daytime hours to do the actual harvesting and on an elevated surface because the wind would blow it away. And the reason that Boaz probably stayed there overnight because as the owner, he wanted to prevent theft. He wanted to watch over his product, right? So Naomi <laughs> wants Ruth to go to the harvesting floor at night where Boaz is and basically show up and then wait until he's done eating and drinking. And then when he lies down for sleep, lay at his feet. Okay, um, I just have to say this. Ladies, this is not a pattern for how to go husband hunting. <laughs> Fellas, the same is true for you. This is, all my single friends, this is not the model, okay? I wanna teach you guys something here about when we read scripture. Um, there is something called descriptive passages and prescriptive passages in biblical application. So when you're reading the Bible, you have to think about what type of literature am I reading? And the book of Ruth is actually narrative, meaning story. In fact, I think this is kind of a fun fact. 44% of our Bible is narrative. It's told through story. The other parts of our Bible are, there's a lot of poetry. Um, another large portion of our Bible is discourse, meaning like speeches, letters, essays, instructions. So here we are, we're in a narrative story. And when you're reading the Bible, you have to understand, is this descriptive or prescriptive? So a descriptive passage is describing what's happening in the passage. It's just telling you, this is what happened. This happened, then this happened, then this happened. Prescriptive passages give clear commands for how to live our lives. For example, when Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, Jesus' words are clear and they're for all people, for all time, forever. It doesn't matter what culture you're in. Does that make sense, the difference between the two? So I just want to say this passage in Ruth about her laying at his feet and everything we're going to read today, that's not prescription for all time. It's explaining what's happening in their culture, okay? So let's keep reading in verse 6 and find out what happens. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and he turned over and behold, a woman at his feet, lay at his feet and he said, who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. Okay, Ruth, what is happening here? <laughs> I'm just gonna address it. Okay, 
When Ruth says, spread your wings, or another rendering is spread the corners of your garment over your servant. The spreading of the wing or the garment, it's like a covering over her life. The spreading of the garment implies protection, even coming into his family. Just like previously, do you remember in chapter 2, verse 12, there's the same concept of protection under the covering of wings that Boaz mentions. Remember she came to him and said, why do I find favor in your eyes, Boaz? And he said to her, the Lord repays you for what you have done, Ruth, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings, there it is, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So Ruth is asking Boaz for that protection, but even Boaz told her it's actually the covering of the Lord over her life. And in a way, what she was communicating is that she wants to marry Boaz, And it does seem odd, in fact, that she's proposing to him. But more than her asking Boaz, will you marry me? She's saying, will you redeem me? She's saying, will you take me into your family? I want to be your wife. Because Ruth knew that if he would marry her, it would change their lives forever. So Naomi and Ruth, they were bold in their proposal. Now their plan was pretty gutsy, I have to say. (laughs) But they knew that they needed to have a change in their life. They had to ask for it. They had to have courage and ask. How many times in our lives do we need a change in our lives and we are just aren't willing to put ourselves out there and ask for something? For example, you need community. You need Christian friends, right? I know this because I talk to you all. <laughs> and you say, I need to get in a small group, but, and all these excuses pop up. But the truth is, if you want to be in a small group, you need to have courage. You need to have boldness. Send the email. Send the text, get on the website, look through the list and reach out and ask somebody, put yourself out there. And by the way, our small groups, that is the discipleship part of our church. When Jesus gave the great commission, he said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is what we are called to do by our master. And we do that through small groups here. Like I I want to be a disciple of Jesus, but I also wanna be a disciple maker, if that makes sense. So it's both at the same time. And I love gathering with my small group, my group of ladies every week. We pray together, we hear what's going on, and we, we sharpen one another in the word, and my cup feels so full. So if that's you and you wanna be in a small group, put yourself out there. Be bold, ask, go for it, have the courage. Some of you, you need help in other areas. Maybe you, you need to step out and you say, I need to go see a counselor. I just need to get counseling. Make that phone call. I encourage you, send the text, reach out. If you need help with creating a budget, ask for help. Don't put it on the back burner. Christmas is here, (laughs) y'all. Like, get on a budget. Mike and I just about three weeks ago, I said, okay, we need to figure out what's our plan and and who and what. So now we have a plan. We took the emotion out of it, and we're going to stick to our plan because I'm not going in debt. Amen. Right? So if you need help, ask for it. If you need breakthrough from an addiction, be bold. Confess it. Repent. If you need joy, ask God for it. He will give it liberally, I promise you. If you need wisdom, I, lo- I use that verse all the time. He who lacks wisdom, let him ask, and he will freely give it. I need all the wisdom I can take, amen, for raising my children, mostly. <laughs> if you need prayer, ask for it. Every Sunday, we have our prayer team down front, and I know there are some of you that have said, oh, I need to go get prayer for whatever it is, and you just haven't had the courage yet. Today is your day. 
I want you to fight the crowd. You're going to have to be bold and say, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Because you want to come down here and you need someone to pray over your situation because you need a miracle. You need healing. You need breakthrough. So today is your day. The book of James says you have not because you ask not. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 7, keep on asking and when you receive what you, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking. Keep on asking, you will find. Keep on knocking, the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Listen, if you tried counseling and it didn't work, try again. If you went to a small group one time and it didn't work, try again. We're gonna keep on asking, keep on knocking, and keep on seeking. This is a fantastic promise from Jesus. So we're gonna be bold, that's our first point. Now the second point today is that we're gonna trust the timing of God's process. We're gonna trust him. We're gonna trust him for his plan. So listen to the response of Boaz after Ruth was found lying at his feet, basically proposing. So he actually starts with a blessing from the Lord. Let's pick it up in verse 10. And Boaz said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first and that you've not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I'm a redeemer, yet there's a redeemer nearer than I. Uh Uh-oh, wrench in the story. There's someone that's more closely related to them that could actually have the right to marry her. So... So, she's, so he says, it's true that I'm a redeemer, yet there's a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, okay, good, he's gonna redeem you. But if not, then I will redeem you. So then, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So he says in verse 11, basically he's saying, I will do all that you ask. Yes, I do want to redeem you. But because Boaz is an honest man and he has integrity, he says, but hang on, there is somebody else that actually has the right to marry you first. So it's obvious that Boaz likes Ruth, but he doesn't get impatient. Instead, he honors the law because that's the right thing to do. But if the other man's not willing, Boaz promises that he's gonna redeem her. He's even eager to settle the matter first thing in the morning. That's what he said. So Boaz is trusting the process and the timing of the Lord. Now, there's something interesting in verse 10 where Boaz points out Ruth's kindness toward him by not going for a younger man. I don't know if you saw that in there. I thought that was kind of strange. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Well, think about it. She could have easily, after her first husband passed away, she could have gone back to her home and married somebody there and done really well. But she actually chose to stick with her mother-in-law and honor her mother-in-law so that they could have a family line come from them And it honored the family of her late husband, even though it cost her tremendously hardship and pain. She sacrificed her own personal gain for the gain of Naomi. She trusted the Lord's process through all of it. So we see here, are you noticing the character of Ruth throughout this book? She's loyal, she's hardworking, she's faithful. And these are the attributes that Boaz is noticing about her that attracts him to her. In Proverbs 31, it says, an excellent wife who can find She's far more precious than jewels. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So Boaz recognized her noble character. And I think that is something we wanna imitate. By the way, if you're looking to marry someone, it must because, be because of their character, not because of their beauty. Listen, age will hit all of us. 
but it's our character that will carry us. So just for a fun fact, in our English Bible, the order of books puts Ruth after Judges, you know, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Um, However, because that's chronologically how it would have happened. In the Hebrew Bible, Ruth occurs immediately after Proverbs, as some suggest that she could have been considered uh, the picture of the virtuous woman as described in Proverbs 31. I just thought that was kind of cool. So here we are seeing that Ruth is a virtuous woman who trusted God's timing and God's process for all things. We want to be people who will trust God's timing for all things. We want, also want to be people of virtue who put others ahead of ourselves and serve others. Remember, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So I think it's amazing people who look to, to bless others and who look to be generous. They're always more blessed. And that's what Boaz did. He was constantly blessing Ruth. Look at the people who serve, give, and go. How many of you know somebody in your life that they're always looking to serve somebody? It's kind of like we know plenty of selfish people, right? But think of somebody in your life that you know, like they, they literally, you hear the phrase, like they would give their shirt off their back to somebody, meaning like they're extremely generous. They have someone else in mind. Those are the people that I think they're purpose-driven, they step out to follow God's plan, and they trust God's timing and process. When you live your life in that way, you will be beyond blessed. I don't know if y'all have ever talked to Sherry Nicholson, but last year, YAPAC ministered to over 810,000 people. That is incredible. You talk about having a heart bursting full of blessing because they're giving up their own personal gain for the sacrifice of others. And, you know, you're going to see those rewards. And even if we don't see rewards from blessing others, this side of heaven, we're going to have eternal blessings because of how we minister to other people. So Ruth was a woman of virtue and honor, and Boaz was also virtuous. They both trusted the process, knowing that the Lord was going to provide in their situation. And I want to encourage you today, trust the process and your life. You can count on God. His timing, though, is not always our timing. I think we know that. Amen? Anybody know that? Listen, there's a family in our church where a mom was praying for 20 years for her daughter to come back to the Lord. 20 years. Think about that. And I have some good news for you today. Last month, she was baptized in our church. You can trust the process. There's another family in our church where the grown son had battled addiction and had been through multiple rehab programs. But because you guys opened a Hope Center, he's found freedom, he's sober. And he feels called to preach. Thank you, Jesus. We can trust your process. So God has a process and a plan for our lives, and we can trust it. And it's not always about us. It's about what God wants to do through us because he gets the glory. We want to discover that plan of God for our lives. So we're going to be bold. We're going to trust the process. And third, we're going to let God bring restoration. We're going to let God be the one to bring restoration. Let's pick it up in verse 14. So she laid his feet until morning, but arose before one could recognize her, recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment before you go, bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. And she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, Naomi said, well, how'd it go? And she told her all the things that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, 
For he said, you can't go back home empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And she replied, Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. So we see here that God is going to bring restoration to the situation. So Ruth in the morning, she quietly gets up, she leaves. But before she goes, he's such a generous man. We were just talking about being a generous person. And he gives her probably as much grain as she could carry back home. Some commentaries say pounds and pounds and pounds, maybe like 50 or 60 pounds food. I don't even know how you carry all that. But he blesses her before she goes back home. And then Naomi says, well, how did it go? What happened? And she explains to her that basically Boaz said, yes, there is another guy in the mix. (laughs) And we're going to trust the Lord, though, for the timing. Either way, we're going to be provided for. Either way, God is going to bring restoration to this situation. And Naomi knew that Boaz was a man of character and could be trusted. And she knew that God's will would prevail no matter how it worked out. So God also wants to bring restoration to our situations. Now, I do want to point out a theme that's, that's to be noted in, throughout the book of Ruth. And this is the idea of the providence of God. Have you guys heard of that before? The providence of God. This is where God works through regular, ordinary events in our lives. Whereas, on the other hand, miraculous is where God intervenes supernaturally in a natural event. So think of, you guys know what miracles are, like walking on water. That's definitely not a natural event, okay? How about finding a coin in a fish's mouth to pay your taxes? That happened in the book of Matthew. That's pretty supernatural. But the providence of God is where God moves in our everyday lives to coordinate his will. And the book of Ruth, I would like to say, is not just coincidence. It's the providence of God, God orchestrating things. God has been been bringing restoration to this situation from the moment it started. At first, it was hard to see what God was up to, especially during the famine and the loss of three husbands. But as Naomi, Naomi and Ruth have trusted the Lord, God is bringing hope through his providence. And that's something I want in my life. I wanna be a person that walks in every day with providence of God. And same with you. I want you to experience that every day. So the other week, my van um, had to go in the hospital and I had to get it fixed. And I was sitting there reading and um, while I was just waiting for it to get fixed and this lady was next to me and she said, what are you reading? And I said, well, I'm in seminary, I'm a student. Which by the way, if you wanna join our seminary program, talk to us, because we'd love to get you connected. It, it truly is, has been so wonderful. And um, anyways, <laughs> I, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm reading a, a book and it's Old Testament introduction. And she goes, oh, my church is going through the book of Ruth. <laughs> and I said, that's awesome. And then I just told her, I said, well, my husband's Mike. We go to church together. She was like, oh, that's so cool. So, you know, we ended up having a really engaging conversation. It was so encouraging. And I, by the end of it, I got to connect her to a small group. And I'm like, yes, you know, and I, I knew somebody that like same season of life. And I'm like, let me text them. And so I got her all connected. And, you know, so her, her uh, van or her vehicle got finished. And so she was leaving. And before she left, she looked at me and she said, I knew there was a reason that we were supposed to meet today. And she might call it coincidence, but I call that the providence of God. God wants to work in our lives all the time. If we're listening to what God wants to say, he will order our steps. So I wanna come out of those three points just for a moment, and I wanna bring you back to Ruth chapter three, verse 12. There is a statement that Boaz makes here that is actually very powerful. It's an amazing statement that is true for all of us. 
And when you read it, you'll just gloss over and think, well, that's not very impressive, but just hang with me. In verse 12, it says, and now it's true, Boaz, Boaz is saying, I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. In the immediate context, Boaz is talking about a relative who's closer to Naomi's family. And Boaz was just making sure that they knew about that redeemer. But this is actually an amazing truth and something that we all need to remember. What Boaz said is also forever true for all of us. There is a redeemer that is closer to us than anyone else. I'm gonna say that one more time. There is a redeemer that is closer to us than anyone else. Our real redeemer is not Boaz. Our redeemer is not our small group leader. It's not our pastor. I live with the guy. But he also lives with me, so. Our Redeemer is Jesus. There is a Redeemer closer to you than anyone else that you know. We get to come up under the covering of His protection. He wants to bring freedom and He wants to transform you into His image. He wants to redeem you. He wants to restore you. That means when Jesus redeems us, He's saving us from our sin. We cannot save ourselves from our sin. I don't know if you know that. Only He can do that. In the book of Ruth, this is a powerful illustration of our life coming under Christ's Lordship. Listen, we are all Ruth. We are foreigners because of sin. We are widowed and we are helpless apart from the Lord Jesus. Boaz is a type and shadow of Christ, but he wants to make our lives new and whole again. Even even though Ruth has fascinating details in in its narrative. This is a great picture of the life we want with Jesus. So have you come close to Jesus like Ruth? Have you asked him to cover your life and provide for you and to make you a part of his family? We are lost and we are destitute without Jesus. We are spiritually bankrupt without Jesus. Jesus is our family redeemer. But remember the title of my message, just ask, you have to ask. You have to ask him. Jesus has done everything that we need. Now it's our job to step out. Be bold, be courageous. Ask him for what it is that you need. Our job is to reach out, have a heart. In our heart, we need to come forward, ask him to be our savior, ask him to redeem us. Ruth is a beautiful love story, but the greater love story is that God wants to redeem us. But we have to ask him to do that. So today we're gonna be bold. We're gonna trust the timing of God's presence and we're gonna let God bring restoration in our lives. So will you stand with me? I wanna have just a couple extra minutes today of prayer together. So I have a question for you, student, moms, dads, older person, younger person, maybe you're a widow here today and you find yourself in this place and you are to say, God, I want you to redeem. Maybe it's a certain area of your life. So first I wanna ask, is there an area of your life that you need God to redeem you in? A specific area. Maybe you've not been bold yet to ask him for it. Maybe you need to ask him for help to forgive someone or to let go of that sin. That's honestly, it's just been around too long. It has, and it's time to ask the Lord to speak into that situation. Maybe it's an addiction that you've been fighting, but you just, It's just always been there. Nope, today's the day. We're gonna ask the Lord. Maybe it's your screen life and you need God to speak into it. Can we just be honest and raw in here today? We need God in every area of our lives and the things that no one else sees. 
that only God knows about, because that's a person of integrity, walking in honesty. Maybe it's peace that you need today. Maybe it's joy. I'm telling you, there's a redeemer in the house. There's freedom available for you today. The enemy wants you bound up in these areas, but it's the Lord that wants to set you free today. So maybe that's you, there's an area. Or maybe you would just say, this is the other part. I just need God to redeem my whole life. Quite frankly, I'm just not walking with him. I'm, I'm, I'm walking in brokenness. I'm lost and I need a savior today. So we are gonna pray together. So with all of our heads bowed, all across this place. If you're in that first group and you say, there is an area in my life that I need redeemed, would you just raise your hand? Raise it, raise it high. Awesome, thank you, Jesus, all over this room. If you have an area in your life that you need God to redeem, raise your hand in this place. Tell him what it is right now, don't even wait. Like now's the moment, we're going. God, we're here, you're here. Tell him right now in your heart, speak it to him. God, I need you to speak to me about Maybe you're the second person and you say, I need God to redeem all of me. God, just take all of it. I need you. If that's you and you need to give your life to Jesus today, raise your hand with boldness. Raise it high. Raise it high. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to pray together. And if you raise your hand for either of those, would you just keep them high? We're going to be bold today and courageous. Ask him, reach out right now. What is it that you need? God, we thank you that you are restoring people today. We thank you that you came to restore humanity back to you. And right now, as your precious people, God, we need your help in the situations that we are facing. Lord, change us. Mend hearts right now. Restore families. And I pray for individuals to find freedom from addiction right now in the name of Jesus. Give them a strategy, give them a next step. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that it would be broken. Help us to say no to sin, restore our joy today. And Lord, for those of us that need you to redeem our whole life, would you just pray this with me? Everybody in this room, let's lift our voices together. Lord, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you have a plan for my life. I want to turn away and repent from my sin. Forgive me, wash me clean, and help me to serve you, Jesus, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen.